You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hello, friends. We are Mackie and Judd, and we are on location, not only from Declan's babysitter lair, but from Judd's home office. I'm down in Phoenix, Arizona, visiting my dad, and uh, we've got Judd's Keys on this episode we're going to get to later on. Judd's Keys making a big return for the 2021 Viking season. Uh, so we'll get to that in a little while on the show here. But we are all about daily Minnesota sports entertainment and championships and uh, and also your feedback, which we do on Fridays. Are you guys ready for a little little feedback Friday action here? Yeah, man. Most definitely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I got to be honest here. The first one is not really feedback. It's just a fun talker. So and, and there was a ton of responses from people when we threw this out there. Uh, we'll get to some other questions and comments here, but I think we should start this feedback Friday with some feedback from the betting markets, specifically Bovada mm. and Bovada Sportsbook. They sent out a note today and it was essentially entitled Odds on favorites for which team Ben Simmons will play for first game of the season. And the Philadelphia 76ers was, were a plus 200. They were leading the pack somehow. They're still the odds on favorite for him to just stay in Philadelphia. The Minnesota Timberwolves were a plus 300. The odds on favorite to land Ben Simmons via trade. I think another sports book had something similar or maybe had the Wolves right behind the Blazers. Correct. I feel like two or three months ago, this was all clickbait. It's just made up. It's reckless speculation. You guys are just making stuff up. And now the Vegas sports books are saying the Timberwolves are the odds-on favorite to trade for Ben Simmons in the next few weeks. What are your thoughts? I think it's a thousand percent accurate. And I think so. I think that the the people that do these odds are probably almost um, obligated to speculate that he'll stay with his current team because like they can just essentially hold him hostage. Uh, But that being said, I think the odds of the wolves uh, being the favorites is exactly right. And again, in talking to uh, Doogie during the scoop session on Thursday, he said to reiterate, the wolves are very, 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 I think used three, very interested in getting (laughs) Ben Simmons and and I don't know Phil if you saw the the uh, windy uh, speculation out there or not speculation more reporting Brian but the windy Wind horse so it, so Doogie told us that Windy is very close to Ben Simmons' agent and what Windy threw out there a couple of days ago is one Ben Simmons is due a pretty decent chunk of his salary by like opening night. So they can't take that away. They owe him that. And I think NBA players, like most sports, get paid when the season starts. So mm-hmm. like they can find him for missing training camp, but they can't they can't sit on his salary completely. Interesting. So they don't they don't get game checks like NFL players do. Um, I don't know how it works, but the point is his reporting said 
that the Sixers are obligated to pay Ben Simmons what he's owed with that chunk immediately. So there's like, no, we're going to withhold that. Uh, So, so that's one thing. And two is the Simmons camp. And I'm sure this one came specifically from the agent. The Simmons camp has informed the Sixers. It's not Ben's job to get his value back up. Essentially, it's your fault because your coach came out and doubted him when a reporter well, asked at the end of the playoffs, and they said, we have no interest in like Ben trying to redeem himself as a Sixer. We want him out of there, and you need to take what you're going to get, which obviously is going to be a huge fight. But nonetheless, that's how bad things are. Like, like that is a, That's the talker of the disintegration of the relationship where yeah. they're saying, where they're basically telling Daryl Morey and the 76ers, it's not our job for him to be good. It's your job. It's your job to take what you can get right now. Mm-hmm. This thing is jumped at the shark. I feel like the Wolves are the Sixers' fallback prom date. It's like, ah, we, let's uh, we can always we can always go to the prom with the Timberwolves. You know, they're they're just desperately sitting over there, just waiting for us to walk by in the hallway, right? Just acne, just begging us. <laughs> Corduroy is a little too short. They've never seen an NBA team naked before. Yeah. The Timberwolves. Sounds like, sounds like my junior prom, but yeah, sounds accurate. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, the, the Wolves, I think the Wolves, I'm just envisioning Gerson Rosas, friend of the show, calling Daryl Morey five, six times Swingers? a day. Swingers? Yeah, just leaving, leaving voicemails Amber. like John Favreau. Hey, I think my last message got cut off there. Well, I wasn't Long sure. Sorry about what, what happened. I mean, it was fun talking, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, and the Sixers are sitting over there like, okay, well, Portland, please pick up. Uh, Washington, Bradley Beal, please pick up. Golden State, you got anything? Can we get James Wiseman? A couple first-round picks. There's like seven teams they'd clearly rather deal with. Otherwise, this thing would be done with the Timberwolves. And the Wolves are like, hey, we're just going to be sitting here if you want to make this happen. Hey, look, even Vegas. Even Vegas thinks you're going to trade him to us. Let's yep. just make this happen. I don't know if if – if the Blazers aren't going to trade Dane Lillard, and I think this was part of the reporting today. It might have been from a – I can't remember if this was part of the Windy report or if it was another insider. But uh, but word is Dame is not asking out until at least some way, somewhere halfway through the season. Like he's, he wants to enter another season with the Blazers, which is weird to me. And Bradley Beal is, quote, content right now. I think this is from The Athletic. Um, Beal is content in Washington, which also is mind-boggling. Like, dude, you guys have been with those teams for 10 years or eight, whatever it is. Why do you not want out? In the minute that either one of those guys asks out, the Sixers get a ton of leverage back because they'd rather deal for those players. But if those players aren't going to ask out before the season starts, the Sixers might have no choice but to trade Ben Simmons to a team like the Timberwolves for like 50 cents on the dollar. The Wolves have the leverage here, I feel like, by just having been patient I don't know if they're playing it brilliantly or if they or if they're just pestering and getting lucky because the market hasn't played out the way that the Sixers want, but the Wolves are in a great spot regardless. So the Beal thing I really don't get. That is a dumpster fire of a franchise and has been it for the most part weird. for a long time. Yeah. The Portland thing I actually get because Portland has Portland has ebbed and flowed, and I sort of get why Dame would would say, you know, new coach here. I'm going to I'm going to take a step back and see if we can reestablish success. The Bradley Beal thing, it's like, dude, you've been stuck with the Wolves of the East Coast for how long now? But, yeah, I I think the Daryl Morey problem is that he's looking at this like James Harden. And I don't think we're talking about James Harden. I think we're talking about Ben Simmons. Great defender, has some attributes. But, like, overall, he's not the player that Harden is as far as the sexy aspect of we traded – 
for him, and he is coming off a terrible playoff. But when you have the Ben Simmons camp basically telling the Sixers it's your job to get his stock back up, like that's a – I'm not saying that I agree with the camp, but that's, but, that's ridiculous, but that's, by the way. It is, but that <laughs> but it's a very telling part of how fractured this entire thing is. Like right now, this is the most fractured relationship in this league, and and I don't think Ben Simmons has the I don't I don't think he has the cojones to do what Jimmy Butler did. But he definitely seems like he's going to make things yeah. dicey if they keep him around. Listen, I want the Timberwolves to land Ben Simmons. I think this is a great time to buy low on a guy that is, I think, going to have a bounce back. He's probably going to become a better shooter, but that doesn't even matter. So that, But that part of it aside, if you think about this and just go sort of month by month as to what's happened since the playoffs. So Ben Simmons cowers in the corner in the in the playoffs refuses to shoot layups. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Right, of the He bricked like 70% of his free throws and was just an absolute disaster in the postseason, right? <laughs> so so he shipwrecked his own value by just being worthless in the playoffs. And fast forward two or three months later, him and his agent are now demanding out of Philadelphia, basically saying like, I'm sorry, I can't deal with, I, I can't deal with this organization anymore. I can't can't believe how mad they are at me for cowering in the corner in the fourth quarter of playoff games. Right. And then on top of it, his agent, Rich Paul, who's also LeBron James representative. um, And that's how Brian Windhorst probably knows him because he covered LeBron very closely in Cleveland. And Rich Paul saying, yeah, listen, I mean, it's not it's not our fault that you guys have shipwrecked his trade value. No, he shipwrecked his trade value by being terrible in the fourth quarter. This isn't the Sixers fault. The Sixers probably didn't make it any better. I would argue, too, that Shaq and Barkley jumping on Shaq's podcast this week and trashing Ben Simmons also hurt the Sixers in this. Because yeah. just there's just there's nobody standing up for Ben Simmons except for Gerson Rosas. And even he's like, he, he he's probably telling Daryl Morey. I mean, he's not that good. I mean, I guess we'll take him as like a guy off the bench or something. Uh, here's Michael or here's Malik Beasley and a second saw- round pick. I saw a stat tweeted, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Somebody tweeted this, and I didn't check it, but it looked great because it's just so mind-boggling. I think Ben Simmons missed more free throws in the playoffs this past spring than Nash did in his entire career. <sighs> what? They're... In the playoffs, you're saying? It just Yeah. In, in the play- yes, in the playoffs, That's Ben Simmons missed more free throws in the playoffs than Nash did in, in his entire career, I think, in the <laughs> in the playoffs as well. Got but I mean, okay. we're talking, we're talking sense. the springtime versus but, an entire array of a guy who went to the playoffs with what Dallas and Phoenix a ton. Well, so Steve Nash would have had to have gone, he went to the finals once, right? Or, or came close to it. He went to a couple Eastern conference finals with Phoenix. I don't remember. I don't, I, I, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if Steve Nash ever played in the finals, but, and, and he got, he, he was mostly one and done in Dallas. They never really had, I think, but he played a bunch of playoffs, but, but he played in a bunch yeah, of playoff probably games. At least 50 to hundred playoff games. I and assume. if Ben Simmons missed more, free throw attempts in one playoff season than Steve Nash did in his playoff career. That is mind boggling. Okay. Hold on. I've almost got this here. Okay. So, so Steve Nash, Steve Nash was 396 for 440. So he, he took 440 free throws and he missed 44 of them oh, yep, that's, in his that's playoff that's career. Okay. Yep. Ben and, Simmons, I think missed more in the spring. Oh my God, dude. And so Ben Simmons <laughs> missed, it's it's not quite that bad, but it's close. Ben Simmons missed 30 free throws. No, dude. He missed 30 free throws in just the Hawks series. 
Oh and he missed, God. and you're right, he missed 18 free throws in the yep. Wizards series. He beat him. So he missed, he, he missed 48 free throws in these playoffs, and Nash has missed 44 in his entire. Nash played in the playoffs for parts of 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> but you know what? I want him. I don't yeah. care. I do not care. He doesn't have to be the star central figure of this team. He doesn't have to be the second guy. He might even not have to be the third guy if they keep D'Angelo Russell, especially offensively. He can just play defense. He can settle in. He can rim protect a little hey, bit. He can pass. You I'm know here what? For it. I want fun. I want the Wolves. I want as many storylines as I can possibly get from this godforsaken franchise. That's what I want, okay? Yeah. So so if it works, it's, that's awesome. If it doesn't, it's still more fun. I want the Wolves to be as compelling as possible because I've always contended if they can just get to the point of being compelling, I think people care. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw it. We saw it you know, 15 whatever years ago. Um, all right. Feedback Friday here presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is all about keeping your business safe from risks. Um, it's easy just to think about the top line and revenue, but make sure you're also preventing and protecting against things that could chunk away at your uh, at your revenues and uh, your bottom dollar too. So federatedinsurance.com if you want to find a full list of industries they protect and all the resources. And remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Luke Burnt. On the Score North YouTube page comments, it's not looking like Kaprizov will be here for the start of training camp. Get it done, Wild. This is driving fans insane. He doesn't have any other options, so just sit down and figure it out before it's too late. Um, I think Luke speaks for a lot of worried and frustrated fans right now. Why are these two sides not just kumbaya after what happened last season? Because I'm convinced and... and- Dex and I actually talked about this on Mackie and Judd on Thursday, and I wrote, wrote about this at uh, Zolgad's Roundup, which I'm now doing at scorenorth.com. You will enjoy that. A very notesy type of breezy column I'm doing at scorenorth. Very shooter-like. Very shooter-like. Um, little birdie. It's very clear that Kaprizov's agent, who he hired after he fired his previous representative, has promised him some things, and he's not going to get those. And I think one was we'll get you a three-year contract, and walk you right into free agency. And Bill Guerin, rightfully so, is saying, no, no, you won't. Here's five years at $9 million per, which, by the way, for a guy who's played, what, Dex, 55 regular season games and then wasn't great in the playoffs, is very, very fair. And I think the Kaprizov camp's like, oh, no, no, you know, we're, we're, we want three years, maybe four years, but not five years. Right. Um, the Wild is doing the exact right thing here. He needs to come to the realization that he's going to get a five-year contract. And after that, if he wants to leave, he can leave. But if you're Bill Garrett and you let them push you around when they have no leverage, that opens up the floodgates for a lot of people to start to cause you problems. So I'm not always on the team side, but in this case, I 1,000% am. If you're Bill Garrett, you sit there and you play hardball and he signs this contract and if the agent made promises to the Kaprizov family or to Kirill himself that he can't keep, if you're Bill Guerin, that's not your fault. Yeah, it's frustrating. And what I was telling Judd is I, I refuse to believe that this is all just the agent. Like, Kirill has to have some type of vigorall against the Wild or some type of demand here that we're not being talked about. 
or that's not being talked about. Um, I definitely think the agent is driving the majority of, of this negotiation. But if this was up to Kirill, I think he would have just said, dude, all right, I'll take the five-year contract. It's $45 million. I'll get $9 million per. That sounds excellent to me. I'm 24 years old. I'm going to have $45 million before I'm 30 years old and just American money. I have no idea how much he's made in, what is it, rubles in Russia? Um, so, so I, I, I do think there's something more. Is it rubles? Just, rubles? Rubies? One of the, something? I'm, Hold on, no? let's see here. You, you looked rubles. that up for me. I think it's no, rubles. I, or rubles. I, I think yeah. it's Russian currency. Rubles. Uh, let's see right. here. Let's see here. It's the it is the ruble. It I is ruble, the Russian yeah. ruble. Yeah. Yes, that is I know my yes. Russia. Nice. Um, and then the, the, Russians. The final thing that uh, also Michael Russo pointed out is when he gets here, he has to still apply for a U.S. and Canada visa. We aren't sure if he's actually vaccinated with Moderna, Pfizer, or the CDC and NHL-approved vaccinations. There's there's talks he might only be approved or have the vaccination that Russia has given out, which is not Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson. It's so, rubles. So that's where it's, it's, They shot him up with rubles. <laughs> it's ah, a completely ruble. different thing. So there, there's, there's so many hurdles still, even before the contract with Kaprizov. And what looked like was going to be a really fun offseason and, and, a, and a wild one, Pun intended. Wow, it's dude. actually been kind of it's, it's kind of been uh, oh, a little disappointing. Wow. But you've got to hold your ground here, and and I really do believe that that the problem is somebody needs to sit the kid down and say, Krill, here's the deal: you spent an extra what five or six years in Russia after you were drafted by the Wild in the fifth round in 2015. That stopped your clock, like you didn't have your clock running, and now you and now you want to explore free agency ASAP. You can't have it both ways. Like, if you had come over when you could have, uh, this would not be an issue, and you could probably be a Ranger by now, but you didn't do that. So it, it's just, I, I think he's 24, so he's young enough. Uh, promises were made. He's very good, so he probably thinks he deserves these things. I'm sure at home he's treated like a superstar, all of that. Uh, but I think Bill Guerin's doing the exact right thing, and I would play hardball too. Mm. Uh, so what? So we're thinking it might be a $9 million Offer by the Wild per yes. year. Yeah, I think right? it's. I, I think it's. I think it's a solid, concrete. As I told Declan, sitting in somebody somebody's drawer in St. Paul, five years, mm. nine million. Uh, can you guys guess how many ruples that would be? I, oh God, I, I, how many not, ruples is nine million dollars? It's rubles or ruples. Uh, it's ruple. Uh, ruble. I'm sorry, rubles. Okay, okay. Rubles. Yeah. I have no. I. I have no nine idea. Mil, uh, I, Just take a guess. Closest to the pin. 85. Wins, uh, wins 85. a high five. 85. Um, um, 80, 85 rubles equals 9 million yeah, uh, no US idea. dollars. I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Russia works. 250 rubles. Wow, you guys. Um, it's actually 655 million rubles equals no 9 million I Seven, I, it's it's seven seventy three rubles equals one U.S. dollar. Okay, that's how that works. So maybe when his agent was saying, "Hey, hey, you better watch out. He's got a big contract. He's got a he's got a massive multi million dollar contract." Maybe he meant multi million ruble contract. Yeah, right. you know, because it's uh, seventy three times as many rubles as a dollar. And that league is gone now too, because they started on on September first. So that threat is basically gone. He can he better, play hockey. He better get a better deal by September first. Uh, he can play hockey in one place, and that is for the Wild. And if he does not want to play hockey, he can find a new career. Uh, Victor Flint comments on the Scornoth YouTube channel. Feedback Friday. 
40 years experience as a defensive coach should enable Mike Zimmer to be more efficient in his analysis of an opponent, development of a game plan, and a practice schedule to support it. Doesn't being a defensive genius require a deep understanding of how offenses work? It's ridiculous that we excuse Mike Zimmer from offensive responsibilities. Listen, Victor, I'm going to let you off the hook here. You, you made this comment before Mike Zimmer said he and Kirk Cousins watched film together for the first ever time this week. What more do you want from your coach? He's watching film with the quarterback now? Oh, I, wish I don't know why you're there. so critical. Hey, it's just like the good old days with Teddy, right? Sit down and watch that. Turn on the projector. Turn off the lights. Turn on the projector. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, leave, maybe leave the lights a little bit on. Be a little weird. I don't want to sit in the dark room with Mike Zimmer. Zim. Zim what did you make? He tolerates offense is what he does. He tolerates it. He doesn't embrace it. It is. Don't you think it's weird? I mean, to Victor's comment and then to what Mike Zimmer said today. Yeah. I read that. I just I read it from Courtney Cronin, and I, was, my, I had to read it like four times. I'm like, wait, is, is she saying like they sat down to watch film for the first time this season? Or for the first time ever since Kirk Cousins got here, is it is that not a common thing that most head coaches do? Sit down and like geek out over film with their quarterbacks. I don't know. That Mike Zimmer's never done it before. Well, he said he. I guess he said he used to do it with Teddy, so he definitely has with quarterbacks he likes. Um, but it that definitely read at least the way that I read that quote. That definitely read like this is the first time Kirk and I have sat down and watched film. Not this year. So and and it's interesting that Mike also volunteered up that it was Kirk who said, "Let's do this." W- would you please basically sit down with? It was a very odd, almost like an olive branch from Kirk is, to, yeah. to try and be like, "Hey, man, I, I know we don't get along, but I'm so was, you was, was Kirk sitting in like a plexiglass booth and Zimmer was sitting? They were out the by the goalpost <laughs> outside. <laughs> I don't it's know. like ten feet apart. The, that whole relationship is. <laughs> That whole relationship is so hard to figure out. It really is. is. It's really confusing. Uh, Tommy Johnson. I don't don't think there's any relation to the old Vikings defensive tackle here, but Tommy Johnson says, I imagine not many Vikings fans remember that Rashad Hill started the Minneapolis miracle game. He did all right against the Saints in that playoff game. Why are we all so worried with him against the Bengals? Did Rashad, Rashad Hill start that game? Okay, in two, I, I know this for a fact. In 2018, the year that Brian O'Neill was drafted in the second round, Rashad Hill was the starting right tackle until I think um, I think Brian O'Neill took over for the last 11 games. So Rashad Hill definitely has starting experience at right tackle, and he's played a little bit at left tackle. Um, and, yeah, it's very possible he started that game, but that's one game. I'm still concerned about it. Um, uh, he did indeed. So he Well, he also, he also started the... 49ers game yep, the following right week. And that was kind of a disaster. So, uh, well, yeah, wait, actually, actually, it says wait, he wait, only actually, I take that back. He, no, this is, this is, uh, so I'm sorry. He started the Minneapolis miracle game and yeah. then he also played Philly in the Philadelphia game. Okay. Um, he played one snap against the saints in the next playoff oh. game that they won, uh, two years later. And then he also, then he played 21 snaps in the game against San Francisco. Okay. So I guess if you really want to pick nits, he has played uh, 88 snaps in two of the most lopsided Vikings playoff losses in recent history. And he's, but, look, he, but he played pretty well in the Minneapolis Miracle game, too. So. But look, I mean, I'm not trying to to criticize the guy. He's he's a backup. He's a backup for a reason. He's a career backup, which is fine. I mean, that's an important player to have. He certainly does not suck at football, but he's your starting left tackle. 
I don't, or, or I, I don't, the foreseeable future. I don't know that this is a rippable offense for the Vikings. They drafted Christian Derrissaw and didn't think that his injury was going to linger this long. The plan was not for Rashad Hill to be starting a bunch of games. Um, you, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you want to rip them for not like doing medical due diligence or something, I don't, but I don't. I'm just, all I'm saying is it's still, you don't have to rip them to be concerned about the player starting. Yeah. And I'm concerned about this. And look, if it was one game, I'd be like, you'll get through it. Uh, But Christian Derrissaw is taking part, I believe right now, in individual drills and practice and then going to a weight room to rehab while the team practices. And and I think Zim uh, on Thursday said, we don't know. It's going to be a process. Is that the quote that Mike said? A long process. A long, okay. So he ain't starting until after the bye, if then. And so now you're talking about a career backup playing an incredibly important position for an undetermined amount of time. Yeah. That concerns me. Uh, Bob M. says on the Scornoth YouTube channel, Billy Evers. How are you pronouncing interim twins manager? Is it Bill Evers or Bill Bill Evers? Bill Evers. Evers. And and this comment was before the Twins lost tonight, but Bill Evers is four and zero as Twins manager, hmm. and his in game moves are a hundred percent or a hundred times better than Rocco Baldelli's. The Twins actually steal bases, they hit and run, they have better lineups, and his bullpen management is a plus. Hmm. Um, have you guys determined enough after one week of Bill Evers that Rocco Baldelli should just stay on paternity leave, or are you needing another week? First of all. Rocco gets credit for all of those wins. Those all go Does on he? Rocco's record. Yes, Why? they do. Rock, I don't know because it's the baseball way. Rocco gets credit for for all four wins. Second of all, uh, Bill is retiring right after the season, and so it's not going to be yeah. him well, unless they want to make him a major league manager, <laughs> potential candidate to replace Rocco. Uh, but you know what I did? I did like on with the with the with the um, start that Ryan made two nights ago now on Wednesday. Here's what I really liked about that. Polanco was at short. I believe Arise was at second. Andrelton Simmons sat. And guess what? The lineup worked out really well. It worked out perfectly. And that also means that the Twins claim that we want Andrelton Simmons to start at shortstop because of his glove behind all of our young pitchers is absolute garbage because Ryan is your most important pitcher right now. And like if you're going to give him a defensive stalwart, you would give him Simmons, and you didn't, which, by the way, I agree with. But let's end this charade of what well, we got to play, Andrelton Simmons. This is I much prefer you rotating guys in who I want to see play right now, as opposed to this this notion that they went back to on Thursday, which is well, Andrelton's our shortstop. Stop. No. Yeah, I uh, I will raise my hand and say I thought that was a great free agent signing because he is a great defensive shortstop, but he also has put up one of the worst offensive seasons of any Twins hitter in the history of Twins baseball, and they're still running him out there on a fairly regular basis. It's kind of weird. I kind of feel like he tore the clubhouse in half with COVID stuff early in the year, too, and uh, that's not just my reckless speculation. There, there's been some tension in the Twins clubhouse throughout the year. How can there not so, be? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing probably in the Vikings locker room, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, upset of the century that, that Andrelton Simmons is likely going to make it to the end of the season still in Twins uniform. Not sure I would have bet on that at the beginning of June. I am looking forward to the, the jettisoning or allowing to walk of Alexander Calame and Andrelton Simmons both. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. Don't care what you did. But you know what's going to happen, though? 
I don't know if Simmons is going to bounce back offensively, but you know Colome is just going to be lights out for whoever he there's pitches for next option. year. There's a mutual option. There's a mutual option. There's an off chance he returns, but I wouldn't – I'd be like, see you later, dude. You, you submarined our season in – you and Simmons submarined our season in April. Beat it. There's going to be a Lance Lynn factor. I should I should go on the record right. next week with I'll write, write that, that down. down yeah. Thirty saves next year. Thirty saves. ERA under three point two. Right, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah that write down. that down. That goes right. Yeah. Write that down. Um. All right. Is he? Uh. Is he? Is he lurking around the corner somewhere? Is uh. Oh, I is, is 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 Judd's I gotta, keys? I gotta find him. Hold somewhere on. within yeah. oh. hearing range. Oh, what's that that I hear? It looks like oh, he's here. Yes. It looks like he's here. Oh, oh Judge. Oh, keys, put that down. Whoa, dude. Keys, keys put that down. Keys, put down the beer, Keys. Put down the beer. You know, it's so disheartening. We call on him, well, now 17 times a season, and every time he's loaded. Did Judd's keys to a Vikings victory have to renegotiate his contract when the 17th game was added? Can't talk about that. Is he getting paid by the we're, game, or we're, we're not going to discuss that? We never. That's internal. We'll never discuss that type of thing. Keys that, doesn't talk about the no, terms keys, of his contract. We keep okay. we keep this all internal. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? Keys just doesn't want. Here, here's the thing too. Don't ask Keys if he's vaxxed or not. <laughs> keys, it's a, keys, it's a personal. Gets, it's a personal it's matter. A personal, okay? It's a personal. It's a personal choice between me and my fellow Keys. Thanks. Yep. Yep. Keys. <laughs> Uh, so every Friday, if you're new to the show for years and years, Judd's keys to a Vikings victory is one of our staples here on Mackie and Joe. We will do during the football season. We're going to do monthly movie reviews for those of you wondering where's uh, action movie rewind. Where's where's a rom com rewind? So we're going to do horror movie rewind. We're going to debut that in October, Can't beginning wait. of October, and then end of October. So we'll get to that. But Judd's keys to a Vikings victory. Declan, before we get there, mm-hmm. let's hear from Patrick Peterson, notable Vikings free agent signing here. His thoughts just hours before the Vikings kick off the 2021 season. As a DB, you have to be on cruising altitude at all times. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. You just have to worry about moving on to the next play and staying focused on you know the task at hand because – not only it's a long football game, but it's a long season as well. So you don't want to have those, you know, ebbs and flows throughout the season to where, you know, makes your game in a disarray. So um, being confident and being calm has just always been my pedigree, and I'm just trying to rub off on these young guys for sure. Oh, that's definitely one of the most cliche things I have ever heard an athlete say, but that hat was amazing. Did you guys see that hat? It's, it's the golf. Old it's, school, man. It's got that little golf, uh, I don't know what to call that. It's like this little, like the fat there. little rope that goes yeah, across yeah. the, yeah, the the back of the brim of the hat. I like those, yeah. Throwing it back, man. Are those for sale? Because I, I might need I, to buy I'm all of those. Buy one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Cruising I know. I know. Speaking of not getting too high or too low, that's Judd's keys mantra throughout the season here. So, uh, how many keys do we have? And are we starting with key one or key whatever it is? Four, five, six. We have uh, no, no, no. We have four keys. Four keys total. So one for each quarter of this very important game against the Bengals on Sunday. And we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Now you can decide, hey, I think key uh, key two is more important than key one. He's arranged these, so please don't say too much because he gets really mad. He's not vaxxed and he's drunk. It's just very, it's not good. He hasn't worn a mask for years. He won't wear a mask. I can't control keys. But what I can do is read what keys submitted to me. And he has a new means now. He's doing it via phone. Okay, so he's saving paper now. Okay. So now he's just saving paper. 
All right. All right. These so are Judd's keys to a Vikings victory over the Bengals. We don't have our regular production and music here, so. You sound like you're from the Partridge family. Uh, key number four actually ties into the soundbite we just played because the key is headline cornering the market. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right, teases out of the gate. Ah, Here's what we're looking. Here's what we're looking for. Here's what we're looking for on Sunday when it comes to the corners that the Vikings will deploy against the Bengals. And here are the questions: Can Patrick Peterson bounce back? Arguably a Hall of Fame cornerback coming off a very disappointing last season in Arizona. It's imperative he bounces back. Like I don't think it's uh oh that's too bad it didn't work. If it doesn't work, it's trouble. So. Can Patrick Peterson bounce back? How good is Bashad Breeland, who looked outstanding in that second preseason game against the Colts at the at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium? And then finally, can Mackenzie Alexander, who's coming back after a year in Cincinnati, slide back into the nickel corner spot, which is akin to being a starter? Mm-hmm. Um, here's the good news, though. So one of the Bengals' probably top receivers for this year who's being counted on is the fifth overall pick from the 2021 draft, former LSU teammate of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who's been struggling with the drops throughout training camp. That yeah, might help that. I don't know, but he's dropping footballs mm. right and left. And I guess they're concerned, but anyway, the cornerback position, which will have essentially three new starters to me is of very important first game to sort of set the tone and see where these guys are at and just how good they can be. Yeah. Um, so I pulled up a note from our friends at Pro Football Focus. The highest graded cornerbacks last season that are on the Vikings roster this season are across the entire NFL are Bashad Breeland. He was ranked 24th out of like a 100 some like 120 or whatever qualified cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. So it's very nice. Cam Dantzler is second among guys on the roster. Cam Dantzler was the 33rd ranked overall cornerback last year. He has now fallen behind Chris Boyd and maybe even another Harrison guy or Hand. two. Harrison Hand. Harry Hand. Yeah. He's, he's sixth on the depth chart, gentlemen. So I think we would feel better about the cornerback situation if Cam Dancer was like champing at the bit, just ready uh-huh. to. All right, he's he's a starter, but they're just too loaded because they got Breland and they got uh, Patrick Peterson. But Dancer was so bad in preseason and training camp that kind of makes you feel like the depth isn't quite there. I think Dancer is going to be good long term, but the way that he handled the demotion, it just doesn't seem like all is right there. Um, I would, if I had to put money on it, I would say Patrick Peterson definitely has gas left in the tank and just needed a, some fresh scenery and b a cornerback guru, like Mike Zimmer. If anyone is, if there's gas left in the tank, Zimmer will get it out. And I know that you could say, well, Xavier Rhodes was a disaster at the end of the run with Minnesota. And then he went and became fairly productive with the Colts outside of Mike Zimmer. But I, I legitimately think if there's gas left in the tank, Patrick Peterson is going to be good, um, under Mike Zimmer. So. All right, so that was that was key four. Okay. All right, key number three. Keys to a Vikings win. What's on the line? What's question? What's on the line? The offensive line, that is. Keys wants to know this. We talked about this briefly. Rashad Hill, a career backup for the most part, starts at left tackle. Oli Udo, who was a tackle when training camp started, then just 
uh, got moved to guard. And last but certainly not least, Garrett Bradbury at center, who in run blocking has been okay. In pass protection, he has been a disaster for what now? Three years. And Garrett Bradbury is starting a make-or-break year because his fifth-year option, I believe, is going to come up next May. Is this and his third year or fourth year? This is fourth year, right? And is if it? Bra- 19, um, or, or is it his? Bradbury? No, this might be his third year. This might be his third year. Third it year. feels like it's been about yeah. 10. It feels like it's been a, yeah. yeah. No, because, yeah, um, Mike Hughes got drafted first round yeah. in 2018. So Bradbury was 19. So this is going to be year three. Dude, but, he's already he's 26 years old too already. It's is he really? Yeah. Is that old? Well, that's why yeah. it feels like he's a thousand years. Yeah. He's been here a long time. Yeah. So, so we're not talking about Ezra Cleveland at left guard, um, but we are talking about at least th- uh, three guys on this line who I have questions about, and you could make a pretty good case that the line that's going to start this season might not be as good as the line that completed 2021 or or 20 because that line had Riley Reef, who's going to be at right tackle for the Bengals at left tackle coming off a good year. Uh, and, and Cleveland at right guard at least established himself as a very serviceable player there. Dozier being gone is going to help a lot. But the point is, I'm curious to see if these guys – can pass protect, and I'm curious to see how the left side of that offensive line does because that's Kirk's blind side, and that's the one place where if it breaks down, there's go- you're going to hear the excuses quickly. Well, what's Kirk supposed to do? The left mm-hmm. side broke down. Uh, my current one through five offensive line power rankings, if you will, just to- in, in, in like I'm not just saying as pass protectors. I'm, I'm I'm counting their entire game as offensive linemen. Okay, Brian O'Neill number one by. Six car lengths. Ezra Cleveland, number two. I, I just I like the fact that they threw him in the fire at a position and a side of the line last year that he's never played, and he held his own. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually has a better chance to be good at left guard because he played left tackle. He just he, the left side of the line is more familiar to him, so he's number two. Maybe I'm drinking too much Kool Aid, but the way that Vikings coaches talk about Ole Udo, they're not talking about him as if like, oh, I guess we'll see. They're talking about him, and so are some of his teammates, as if, like, oh, no, this dude's legit, and if needed, he can play left tackle. Like, they keep throwing that out. I keep hearing that from, like, different quotes yeah. and coaches. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he's uh, he could just go right in there and play left tackle. He hasn't really taken snaps there, but right. that's high praise if they think that he can just sort of handle this stuff. So we'll see. Like, again, we've barely seen him. So, But, but just the way the coaches are talking about him, he's number three on my list. Um, I think... This is going to sound nuts. I think Rashad Hill slash Derisaw are four because Bradbury has been so bad in pass protection. And he's 26. Like It's not like he got drafted as a 20-year-old and he's just young and he needs to, you know, he's just raw. He wasn't supposed to be raw. Brian O'Neill was raw. He was undersized coming out of pit, right? Mm-hmm. And he built himself into a $90 million contract. Garrett Bradbury was one of the oldest, if not the oldest player. I think he might have been the oldest player in that first round. Because he was like 23 or 24 when they drafted him. And he just hasn't figured out how to not get forklifted off the line of scrimmage. So I just, uh, boy, at that age, I feel like you kind of are who you are as an offensive lineman. I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm waiting to see on Udo, Udo a bit because I feel like we heard the same things about him or have heard the same things about him that we did Drew Samia. 
He's mean. He's ornery. Just wait till wait till he he, maul, he mauls guys. They love that so football. He mauls guys, and then Quick it's jam. like, oh my, oh my god, he got mauled. Quick jam. Um, I trust O'Neal. <laughs> I trust O'Neal, and then I trust O'Neal again. And yeah. <laughs> until I see the rest of it, I have no clue what to think. The Vikings need cloning technology more than they need cap space. That's CJ really Ham as a sixth blocker in the backfield. I trust more yes, than the chipping. Next guy. Yeah, yeah, you might have to do that. Honestly, that actually yeah, makes some right. sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just let Kirk get hit. Yeah, he'll fumble. All right, next key. Please come here. Give me this one. Put that down. Put that surly furious down. All right, next key. Key number two, make him an ordinary Joe. That's right. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Joe so Burrow, the first overall pick in the 2020 draft with the Bengals. <laughs> Impressive in his rookie season until he missed the last six games because of a knee injury, a torn ACL suffered in week 11. The Vikings' new look defensive line, okay? The Vikings' defensive line, Daniil Hunter's back. Pierce is new. Dalvin Tomlinson's new. Griffin's going to rush some uh, after a year away, obviously, probably on third down. The Vikings line could give the Bengals problems. And let, and let me give you a matchup to watch. What intrigues me as far as trying to get to Joe Burrow, Daniil Hunter versus Riley Reef. Yeah. Hey-o. Uh Riley Reef, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't look this up, but I want to say before he came to the Vikings, and went back to left tackle. Detroit drafted a left tackle and moved Riley Reef from left to right tackle, and I think he scuffled there. I think he struggled a bit there. Cincinnati's assuming that he's going to be fine at right tackle. Daniil Hunter is not the guy to start against if if you're saying, well, he struggled before, but it's going to be fine. Daniil Hunter against Riley Reef could make Burrow a very ordinary Joe. All right. I uh, I love Joey Burrow, man. I actually I don't think the Bengals have quite enough ammo right now across their roster for him to have a big breakout season. But and plus he's coming off the injury, so this is—I think he's going to be really good. But I don't think he's ready to be really good just week one of the season. So this is this is the right time to get Joey Burrow. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to face him in like November, December when he's starting to figure out NFL defenses. So mm-hmm. you know. kind of reminds me of Stafford's career. You know, like it seems like he might be emulating and on the same type of path. Where I mean, I know he got he got Megatron year two, but then it took forever for them to build out competent rosters around him. It seems like that might be a similar case for him in Cincinnati. That poor guy, poor guy. Stafford, that's the thing. It's like you get dra- you you almost always like it. You're going to get drafted by a crappy team sure. if you're that good, right? Sure. I mean, Pat Mahomes got lucky that the Chiefs traded up for him. What if what if Pat Mahomes would have wound up with the Jets? He's probably still pretty good, but. You know, I don't think he's as good as if Adam Gase is the one that's. Oh no, hell no, no way. Coaching him versus hey, Andy Patrick, Reed. Come here, do better. Want to have a staring contest? Do better. <laughs> my eyes are my eyes are glossed over. I don't know why. All right, and key number one. Key number one. Let me. Oh, I like this one. Keys, like father, like son. We get to see Clint Kubiak's <laughs> offense now. Could've and gone. we and we get to see if indeed, because we've been talking about this, hey, Clint's going to take the gloves off. It's going to be a little bit different than what Gary was doing. It's going to be a little bit more wide open. Zim's going to allow him a little bit more freedom. All right, first of all, the Vikings in 2020, offensively, we talked about this, I think, a couple days ago, fourth in yards and 11th in scoring. That's very respectable. That's good. But when it came to pass attempts, pass attempts, this is 2021, 
27th in just flat-out pass attempts. Yeah. So is Clint Kubiak going to have gone to Zim? Does he even have the ability to have gone to Mike and be like, okay, I've been watching a lot of film of what you like to do and what my father, Gary, who's now hunting and fishing and watching um, old TV shows, TV shows like to he, do. He's just watching Gunsmoke. Andy Griffith. He, I guess. I guess he said today, Walker, my dad's. My dad's probably sitting there. <laughs> no, he said he's probably at home watching Andy Griffith or Sanford and Son. Those were the two. <laughs> but, but, but. So anyway, we could find out what Clint Kubiak is going to be allowed to do, what he can do, what he wants to do, with the starting point that he has Justin Jefferson on his side. First of all, Mike Zimmer seems like more of a gun smoke guy than Gary Kubiak. I'll bet Zimmer yeah. sits on that ranch and just binges gun smoke episodes from the sixties. I bet Zimmer and, and and Gary both loved Andy Griffith, wouldn't you yeah. guys? I yeah. could see them both being like, "Oh, watch this!" This Rosebud. They just don't it's, make comedies like this anymore. It's, it's they don't Zimmer, make sitcoms it's Zimmer's like Rosebud. This. He's gonna be he's gonna be on his deathbed. Andy Griffith. That's gonna that's literally gonna be his same same thing. Geez, Aunt B, I don't know about that play call. I'm sure some of our YouTube audience is like, yeah, what the no hell are you guys doing? What's gun smoke and No Andy idea what we're talking about. No but anyway, clue. anyway, Sunday is going to at least give us our first little taste of if there is a difference in play calling or if the torch has basically been passed because Mike said this guy will do the same thing his dad did. So 27th in pass attempts last year, despite the fact that the Vikings were like five games under 500 at one point. They were playing from behind in quite a few games, right? You'd think that just the nature of the the, the flow of their season would dictate throwing the ball more. Um, they did go a couple weeks after the bye where they just did not, like they just handed off more than usual. Do you think the lack of pass attempts was more philosophical and Mike Zimmer being old school? Or do you think it was more a lack of trust in the pass protection that said, listen, our offensive line is just a lot better at run blocking, so let's just let's just lean into that instead? The Green Bay game, coming out of the bye that the Vikings upset the Packers in Lambeau after the Falcons' loss, I think was a lack of faith in Kirk more than the line. I think Mike said, we're, I think when Mike gets upset with Kirk, he essentially says, we are going to take the game out of his hands, and we're going to hand the ball to Dalvin Cook as much as possible and occasionally throw it to Dalvin. Um, I think overall that Gary was probably concerned, rightfully so, about the line, about the interior line, because the tackles actually, again, just to emphasize this, played pretty well. Um, but I think that there's an overall lack of faith from from Mike, starting with Mike a lot of times in Kirk. And he might be right, but I don't think you can play like that. I, I think we have to see. And, and if it blows up, it blows up. But when you have Justin Jefferson – when you had Stefan Diggs, when, when you have the resources this offense has from a skill position standpoint of guys who can catch the ball, I don't think in 2021 it's excusable to pay a quarterback what you're paying Kirk and then be like, but we're only going to have you throw 17 times. Go back to week one two years ago against the Falcons. He threw, what, Dex, was it 15 times? He threw an yeah, incredible opening night. And that's the one where he came in the post-game press yeah. and it's like, sometimes I might have to throw 52 times. It's like, dude, are you on drugs? You're never going to be allowed to throw like that. But <laughs> I let's think that was throw... his way of saying, I would love to throw 52 yeah. times. Please just let yeah. me. But I mean, put put the <laughs> pipe down, works. dude, and and be happy if you get to throw 32 times. Take another yeah. stone out, Kirk. Take but I think it's a combination out. of things. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Cook some more like really weird meat. Like, what, what, did we ever figure smooth. out what that was on his grill on Instagram? He explained it one. He explained it in a press conference one time, and it was still what? very weird and creepy. But but what did he explain? Like it was a steak. Yeah, or, some sort of steak. Okay, I think he did. 
Okay. Yeah, it was very weird looking, but I think it's a combination of things. Um, but I don't think this is the season to continue on that path. Do you? Um, no, I mean, you should. Well, if you feel like you don't have a Dakota Dozier situation and you feel like Bradbury is a step better, then you should look to throw the ball, I would say, a handful of times more per game. I thought where Keys was going there when he said, like, father, like son, I thought he was going to re- – and, and I, I'm glad that Keys went the offensive route, but yep. I thought he was going to reference what Mike Zimmer said about defensive play calling today. Mm-hmm. So Mike Zimmer confirmed that he will indeed be calling the defensive plays, even though there was some talk about maybe Adam Zimmer calling the plays. And Zimmer's reasoning, and I can't, couldn't tell if he was fully kidding or partially kidding or not kidding at all. He said, yeah, you know, if things don't go well, I can fire myself from that role and then someone else can take over. You know, I, I think it's just probably better for the team that way. Is he saying that he just doesn't want to have to fire his son after four games of terrible defense? Is that, that's what his <laughs> logic is? I have no idea. He's not going to fire he, his son, right? Is Adam Zimmer, is he, is he, uh, what Coleona, uh, the, the, of the, of the Godfather family, Vito Colion is obviously Mike Zimmer here, and and for whatever reason he doesn't trust his 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 dumb, uh, Fredo. He doesn't trust he doesn't trust Fredo. Adam Zimmer is Fredo basically, yeah. and he doesn't trust him at all. Mike, in the family business. Mike was never going to give that job up. He he was trying to be nice to his kid. He was never going to give him that job. And by the way, Mike's Mike's threat was, well, yeah, you know, we we've got we've got a young um, offensive coordinator now. We've got a young special teams guy. I might want more involvement. I got to be honest, in game, I don't know how much more involvement I want Mike to have offensively. Like, if he starts That's the thing. I to think... weigh in, I don't think it's going to be a let's run nine routes with Justin Jefferson. I think it's going to be like run the ball more. That's the thing. It's like I want, I want my head coach to be more involved with the quarterback. But Mike Zimmer, after seven years, not really being involved. Well, he was involved with Teddy not really being involved the last few years. I think it's just, be careful what I wish for. The only, the only area where I would say that it could improve him. And I don't know for sure, but it could improve him would be an actual game slash clock management. I mean, because that could certainly improve. There's gotta be, you guys ever see those master class, uh, master class ads on like social media where the world's top experts explain their craft over several oh. hours where like Natalie Portman explains acting for yeah. 30 hours and it's a video course or, you know, whoever, uh, name Portman a top guy, chef. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie Portman's great. Yeah. We, guy. we need like Bill Belichick to do a master class who says, uh, you know, this is just going to be me for, this uh, is 40, 40 hours. And, uh, I'm going to explain, uh, clock and game management here. He and Zimmer to. needs to take that course. He likes that stuff. Mm-hmm. How Bill many, co- Bill will go. Bill will ramble on philosophical things about football. Has Ooh. there been a Vikings head coach in the last thirty years since Denny that you have felt like really gets game and clock management? Where you're like, oh yeah, okay. Once we get inside four minutes, like no. all of the timeouts are preserved. Uh, he's just well, running circles. He's playing, playing chess. The other and coaches Denny, are playing checkers. Ninety-eight took a knee. Didn't take the chance when he should have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's a tough, it's a tough thing, but I mean, there are some things with Mike where I'm surprised he's not, I'm surprised he hasn't progressed more. Aren't you? Uh, yes and no. He seems like when he took the job, he was Mike Zimmer and right. Yeah, that's, that's what you're getting. Okay. So those are Judd's keys keys. to a Vikings victory over the Bengals. But can I deliver my hot take here that I realized in doing, in doing Zolgad's roundup today, 
In fact, this is in there. You can read it. You can read the whole thing, but here's my hot take. Sunday, are we watching the future coach of the Cincinnati Bengals on the visiting sideline? Here's why. You texted us this earlier today. I know I did, but here's why, okay? Zach Taylor, who who is a kid who had the Sean McVay, like Sean touched him once or something at like a grocery store. He like blessed him. That he like blessed. No, no, that no. He put his hand on. He friend. put his hand on his head. It's a podcast. I really don't care what you guys think. He was touched by Sean McVay once. Okay. He then <laughs> got. This is reminding me of that Family Guy skit where, yeah. where they cut to a uh, touch by an angel. Yeah, and they're asking, they're at, and the exactly. cops are asking the little kid, where did the angel touch you? <laughs> right here. I got, a, I got a freaking halo on my head. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, Zach Taylor, after two years as an offensive assistant with the Rams, got the Bengals job. In his two years in Cincinnati, he is 6-25-1. He is 38 right now. The Bengals have won back-to-back games in two years under Zach Taylor once. They are a dumpster fire he is probably the one guy who got a job who shouldn't have but he got one because he knew sean mcveigh now let me submit this 38 offensive guy in over his head when the bengals fire him after this season zimmer is 65 he's not a kid but defensive guy Long resume as a successful defensive coordinator for the Bengals. You always hire the opposite. He Mike, lives very close to yeah. He's he still lives, the ranch Western is Kentucky. The, the ranch is twenty miles. I heard today from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Twenty miles in Kentucky. Yeah. Um. You always hire the opposite. This is the polar opposite of Zach Taylor. Interesting. Well, I would also say then I think on Thursday night we are potentially watching our next Vikings coach because of myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back. And Chris Collinsworth was pointing out Kellen Moore as mm. going to, it's possibly mm. going to get a head coaching job. I mean, he's the he's cow, Cowboys there. offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's the Cowboys yes. OC. I believe Former Dak Prescott had right? like 46 pass attempts through the third quarter of that Bucks and Cowboys game. Uh, but that would be the polar opposite for the Vikings side. If the, the, yeah, if, the opposite. if the Vikings move off Zimmer at the end of the year, they're 100% hiring young offensive mind guy, right? Like Judd's it's Judd's theory is right. It's, the opposite guy. You always hire the opposite guy. But I'm just saying the Bengals might be the one team that would look at Zim and say, this makes some sense for us. Interesting. You should go on the record next week and write that down. Yeah. I think I am going to. I'll write yeah. that down. I okay. hope I can. Uh, and do you guys, I, I got savaged and I think I, we can ready to take it off. Do you know what I said in my parlay? Have you guys yeah. seen those comments? Yeah. You you said yeah. that the Bucks yeah. were going to beat the Saints. Yeah, they don't they play don't, the Saints. Uh, they don't play the Saints. So. I, but I you picked to, you you picked three winners. I hate to say this, but I don't think that should come off the board. If you're you right about three, you, you pick three winners. Yeah. Okay. So like you Sweet. gave us a wrong opponent. I don't okay. care. I, I don't okay. think it hurts Sweet. the the prediction. I don't care. You pick three winners. Okay. That was that was the. I mean, I think ordinarily we would be sticklers, but you pick three winners. Okay. So that's, right. that's that. the that's wrong. So like if if you had just said these three teams are going to win and didn't provide opponents, it's true. We wouldn't take it off. I think I think there's there's definitely a precedent for us to be harsh here, but I don't know. We've we've slapped your hand about six times yeah. this year, so yeah, yeah. Just give me one. We'll we'll the, the, the audience okay. might not be happy about this, and we can deal with that. And I mean, they can vote but... too. That's okay. Yeah, that's right. yeah, they could. I mean, if you people want to weigh in because Declan's flub, <laughs> that's fine with us. I'm just uh, saying, I don't think it's a big deal. Me and Plexico yeah. Burris just shoot. Kellen Moore, I like Kellen Moore, Declan. That's yeah, a good I like one. Kellen Moore too, man. He was that's awesome. Good, at Boise but that's State a great name. Yeah, younger. 
Kellen Moore coaching Kellen Mond. Wow. Oh, dude. Inject it. Let me get Kellen. Kellen, Kellen squared tattooed from chest to chest in a year from now. Can't wait. Yeah. K, uh, K-Mo, Kellen Moe squared. All right. That's a wrap on Mackie and Judd here. Judd's keys to yep. a Vikings victory. Yep. Like, by the like, son. Um, definitely hit us up on that Score North YouTube comment section if you want to uh, make it to a Feedback Friday episode. You can also follow us. We just hit 1,000 followers on TikTok, the Score North TikTok account. Awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, Purple Daily, daily Vikings discussions and even more with bonus episodes. So uh, we got you covered as the Vikings start week one of the regular season. See you guys there.